Amos chapter number four, and uh, I want to preach a message this morning that uh, the Lord spoke to my heart about this week, early in this week, and uh, I pray the Lord will use it to be a help to you, and I do have some burdens on my heart this afternoon, and so if you would this afternoon, if you'd remember us in prayer, uh, that the Lord would help us this evening, God knows the need there, I know the Lord's able to meet those needs. Amos chapter number four, and uh, if you'll give you just a moment to find your place. And uh, we'll read two verses of Scripture and bring the message that we feel like God has placed upon our heart. Amos chapter number 4 and verse number 4. The Bible says, Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal multiply transgression and bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years and and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven and proclaim and publish the free offerings For this liketh you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord God. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence once again this morning, God, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, we do come in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for the privilege you've given us to be in church this morning. Thank you for Bible Baptist Church. Thank you for all the membership. Lord, thank you for your blessings on us. And thank you for what you've done this year as we, Lord, continue to come to the close of another year. I pray that we'll look back and remember and be thankful for your blessings on our life. God, I pray now that you'll use the message, speak to hearts, give us liberty. Lord, help us this morning to be obedient to you in all things. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to notice two things here that the Bible talks about, or the writer rather here, concerning the nation of Israel in verse number four and five. I want you to see, first of all, Israel's sinfulness. As the Bible says, come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression. And when the Bible talks about here the sin of Israel, it gives it in great detail. He talks about the place of these two sins as he talks about Bethel and he talks about Gilgal. Now these were two hallowed places. They were places of of great memories. They were places where the presence of God had done great things and Israel has come to these two places as well as other places as well. But they've come to these sacred places and the Bible says that they have not just transgressed, but they have had multiple transgressions. In other words, nothing was, uh, was re- nothing was sacred to them anymore. And doesn't that sound like a lot of things today? How that people will come to the house of God, a hallowed place, a sacred place, but yet they'll come and just openly sin in their life. And so we see their sinfulness as the Bible talks about the place of their sinfulness. And then it talks about not only the place of their sinfulness, but notice the pride of their sinfulness. The Bible uses the word transgress two times. And there's a difference in the Bible between a nick and transgression. And that difference is simply this. If you was to be going down the road and driving down the road and, and you didn't know the, the speed limit was 35 miles an hour, you didn't see a sign, there was no sign up, and you passed, you was driving over the speed limit, then you have committed a sin or an iniquity because you have broken the law. But if you drive down the road and you see that sign there and it says 35 miles an hour and you continuously go on anyway in spite of what you know, the wisdom that you've been given, then you've not just committed iniquity or sin, but you have transgressed against the law because you knew what was right. Well, that's where Israel is. Israel is not a heathen nation. They're not a nation that does not know right from wrong, but they're a nation that has been rightfully instructed and they're not just sinning against God, but the pride of their sin is that they're standing up and going against truth and what they know. When I think about people sitting in church this morning, in spite of what may be said, in spite of what the Bible may say, the 
pride and the arrogancy and the ego of people today, I think has reached an all-time high. When people can go to church and sit in the house of God with open sin in their life and no fear of God or the consequences of what that sin may bring to them. And so he talks about their sinfulness, the place of their sinfulness, the pride of their sinfulness. But notice also in verse number four, the progression of their sinfulness. As he says in verse number four, that at Gilgal, they didn't just transgress, but there was multiple transgression. In other words, their transgression got worse from Bethel to Gilgal. And can I tell you, that's what sin does when you don't deal with it. It only gets worse in your life. When people have sin in their life, you know, if you don't deal with the sin in your life, it just goes from bad to worse. And by the way, so does your life. Amen. When you're living in sin, sin does not bring the blessings of God. It brings the curse of God. And I see here that as he deals with Israel's sinfulness, but notice something else this morning. Not only their sinfulness, but notice their sacrifice. He said that you bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven and proclaim and publish the free offerings for this liketh you. You know, that's amazing this morning that these people, even though they were living in sin, they were still sacrificing. They were sacrificing their time, as the Bible says, that they brought their sacrifices every morning. Here's people living in sin, but they get up and they go through the mechanics or the ritual, whether it be every Sunday or whether it be every morning. They were used to just getting up and offering sacrifices and it cost them their time, but yet they were willing to give their time, but go on their merry way and live in their sin. I see that they're not only sacrificing their time, but notice they're sacrificing their tithe. He said, you bring your tithes after three years. You know, just because people tithe doesn't mean they're right with God. Putting money in the plate and giving God a tip, whether it be 10% or whatever, it doesn't buy you a right to live as you will and do as you please. There's a lot of people that think because they give money to a church that they're okay. And I want to tell you something, it doesn't matter how big or how little that money is. It doesn't matter your tithe. You say, but preacher, I give faithfully. Yes, I know that. But listen, God wants more than our money. He wants our heart and our life. Amen. God don't even need our money. And when I see that this morning, I see that they were sacrificing their time. They were sacrificing their tithes. But notice in verse number five, and this is what I want to preach on this morning, they were sacrificing thanksgiving. You know, I preached last week on the voice of thanksgiving, but I want to preach this morning on this subject, on the sacrifice of thanksgiving. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now, these people were coming, living in open sin. They were giving God their time. They was giving God their tithe. They was, they was sacrificing their time. They was even sacrificing thanksgiving. They was getting up and they was saying, uh, uh, they were offering their sacrifice as to say to the Lord that they were thankful for what God had done in their life. God had been good to them even though they had not been good to God. God had been faithful to them even though they had not been faithful to Him. God had honored them even though they had dishonored him. Doesn't that sound familiar today that people will come to church and they'll even get up and say some good things and testify and be thankful for the good things in their life. The only difference is they're not going to change their life. They're not going to change their way of living. And God says that you offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven and you proclaim and you publish the free offering. And then God says for you like this, God said, in other words, you're satisfied at living in sin and sacrificing unto me. You know, I'm going to say this morning, I don't want to live in sin. 
And I live in a sinful flesh and my body, I'm not perfect. My flesh, I fight the same battle that you fight on a daily basis. But I want to tell you, there's hope for a man, even though he may stumble and he may fall. There's hope for a man. There's hope for a woman. If they have a heart that says, I don't want to live in sin. I may do things and I may fail God and you as well, but I don't want to do those things. And if it grieves you enough to the point that you want to make a difference in your life, then there's hope for you this morning. Israel had got to the place that they had grown used to living in their sin and doing the things that they were doing. Let me say this morning that the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. God sees every one of our hearts as we're sitting here this morning. He knows every intention in this building. He knows every motive about every one of us. God sees the big picture in our life. God knows every word I've said this week. God knows uh, every thought that's crossed through my mind. He knows my motive. He knows the intents of my heart. He knows the things that I've said in open and he knows the things that I've said in secret. God sees everything. And as I said, look at this text this morning. Here is a, a group of people, if you will, the, the nation of Israel had got to the place that though they were sinning, they were still thankful for the blessings in their life. They were still offering the sacrifice of thanksgiving. But can I tell you something? It really didn't mean anything in their life. It was just a ritual. And as we think about Thanksgiving this week, Thanksgiving should mean something to every one of us. It should be more than turkey. It should be more than dressing. It should be more than, than just uh, being thankful uh, just this one week out of the year. But I tell you, there ought to be an attitude of gratitude in our life every single day for what God has done for us. Uh, do you realize that thankfulness can keep you from backsliding? Thankfulness can keep you on the right road? Thankfulness can produce more contentment, more peace, and more tranquility in your life just by simply getting up every morning and being thankful for what God has done in your life. When a man is unappreciative of his wife or a wife is unappreciative of her husband, most of the time it's because they're not thankful for them. When children rebel against their parents, it's because they've stopped, or they, they have failed to stop and think about and thank God for what he has given them, the, the, the leadership and the, and, the, and the parental guidance in their life. And so they don't care about those things. And they go down a road of sinfulness because before they started on the road of sinfulness, they got off the road of thankfulness. Amen. Many times it leads to the wrong road. When I see it, what I see in this text is that God, as this uh, thankfulness was being offered, God did not accept this, this offer of thankfulness. Even though there was this sacrifice that was giving, it meant nothing to God because God knew that it meant nothing to them. And what God is looking for in all of our life is he wants us to be genuine. God wants us to be sincere. He didn't ask us to be perfect, but he wants us to be sincere in what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing. Hey, God, we'll walk a long ways with somebody that's sincere versus someone that may do great measures in their life but they're not, there's no reality to what they're doing. Amen. I talk to people a lot of times and I'm listening to what they're saying but more so what I'm looking for is sincerity. And you know this morning I'm just flesh, I can be fooled. Oh, there's times I thought people were sincere only to find out they really wasn't. I'll take it a step further. There's times I thought I was sincere only to find out I really wasn't as sincere as I thought I was. But God knows everything this morning. 
God knows when I mean business and when I don't. God knows why that I'm doing what I'm doing this morning. I want to say this morning I want to be thankful, but I don't want to just be thankful because it's that time of the year. I want to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving because it's sincerely coming from my heart. That is the only type of thanksgiving that God will accept. And it is something that should not just be here and there, but it ought to be every day in our life. What I see in this text this morning is that there's some things concerning the sacrifice of thanksgiving that we ought to evaluate in our own heart this morning. Number one, I want you to see that, uh, that my friend, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, it must be consistent. Now, Israel had one thing right in this text. The Bible said that they were offering sacrifice every morning. Don't you think about this morning to offer that sacrifice to get up and to offer a sacrifice to God. It wasn't get up and go to the coffee pot and make a cup of Folgers and then go sit down in a recliner and take a Bible in a heated or air-conditioned climate and sit, sit down and just uh, read the Word of God and, and bow your head in a comfortable position and thank God. No, there was much more work involved in that day. That's why it was called a sacrifice. Uh, they, had to, they had to kill the animal. They had to quarter the animal. They had to put it on a on an altar. They had to burn it. Then they had to clean up the ashes and it was a bloody mess and they was a mess. Uh, there was work and there was sweat. That's why it was called a sacrifice. All this was to be done just to show their thankfulness to God. I wonder today how many of us fail to be thankful. The comforts of life can cause you to become casual in your Christian life. It can cause you to become comfortable to the place that you lose sight of how good God has really blessed you. I want to say thanksgiving, the sacrifice of thanksgiving should be consistent. It ought to be on a daily basis. And you know, uh, when we think about going to church and we think about uh, we think about giving our tithes, those are not sacrifices. Those are investments and privileges. Amen? You know, coming to church all day on Sunday is not doing God a favor. God doesn't need church. I need church. Amen? I need to be here. I need to be in this atmosphere. This helps me. This helps my family. This is no sacrifice. Uh, coming tomorrow night, you say, oh, but preacher, I got to work tomorrow. It's not a sacrifice to get off work and be able to come after a busy day and sit under the word of God and sing praise to God and hear preaching. That's not a sacrifice. That's a privilege for you. So, but I, I preacher, I gave my tithes this morning and I, I'm struggling financially. I understand that. But paying your tithes is not a sacrifice. It's an investment that will pay you far more in eternity. Giving to God. So what is a sacrifice of thanksgiving? It's something that should be consistent every day of our life. God, more than he requires money, more than God requires great deeds, God just wants to be able to look down from heaven and see that attitude of gratitude, that, that heart of thankfulness that God, you have been good to me. Lord, you have blessed me. And Lord, I want to thank you for another day. I want to thank you for food on my table once again. I want to thank you for my health and my strength. I want to thank you for healthy children. I want to thank you for my wife. I want to thank you for what you've done. A good church to go to. Thank you, God. God wants to see it on a consistent basis. I don't think God pays a whole lot of attention to holidays. I like them. I enjoy them, but we get all hyped up about it. And then the day, I mean, that when the clock strikes 12, it's over with, ain't it? 
Turkey goes in the trash. Dressings get scraped out in the backyard. Uh, they get scraped out in the backyard. And listen, everybody gears up for Christmas time. And listen, when December the 26th comes around, guess what? People are standing back in line with things that they got from people who didn't like them, who bought them things that they didn't even want. And they're standing back there because they can't re-gift it. So they go back to Walmart to get their money back. Amen. That's the way people treat Christmas a lot of times, isn't it? God don't pay no attention to those things. I'll tell you what does get him is when he looks down and he sees that 365 days out of the year. God, I know where I should be. And I want to thank you for what you've done. I want to thank you for where you brought me from. I want to thank you for how you blessed me. I want to tell you what God does see is when you're sitting in the house of God and you raise that hand and you wave toward heaven. Hey, you're not waving to the preacher. You're waving beyond that. The Bible said, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, all you people of the Lord. Hey, God, well, he sees that every time we come to church. He's looking for a consistent sacrifice of thanksgiving. It should be consistent. I want to say secondly, it should be clean this morning. I understand that none of us are perfect, but we ought to be clean. You know, when you get up in the morning time and you take a shower and you, you get ready and you come out after you've taken that shower and, and you've got dressed, you're still not perfect, but you're clean. Amen. You don't have to be rich. You, you may be here this morning and listen, you, you may have on clothes. Uh, uh, most of us have clothes on that, listen, it doesn't take a whole lot to buy them. I mean, listen, a lot of us wear clothes that we've got at a Goodwill store or somewhere else or at Walmart. There's a lot of people that wouldn't dare put on the clothes that we wear. But I'm glad this morning we don't have to be rich. We don't have to wear a $500 suit. I wouldn't wear one if you bought me one, friend. I'd take it back and buy me two, wouldn't you? Uh, uh, but you know what? Uh, uh, listen, we don't have to have have a lot of riches. Uh, I tell you what, we can be clean this morning. We listen. We can we can be presentable in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. I used to have a I used to have a teacher in Bible college, and and uh, he wore suit, he wore dress shirts and ties and jackets that honestly they came from the sixties. And this was in this was in the early nineties. And he would come in, and I would sit there in class with a lady, and I was always fascinated with him. Because he'd have on these butterfly collars and he'd have on these, these crazy ties. They were about this, they were wider than his neck sometimes, you know? And they'd be about this big. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And he'd wear that, and he'd wear some of the, he'd wear some of the craziest looking jackets. I looked at it and I thought, man, that's from way back yonder. But you know what it was? It was always clean, it was always pressed. I look at him after more. I looked at them crazy ties. I thought, man, he does have it. He does have that shirt iron pretty good. <laughs> and I look at, him, I thought, well, that don't look too bad. And then reality would set in. I'm like, no, that looks terrible. That <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. Hey, he, he, he just decided, Brother Terry, hey, it still, still works. It's still good. And I'm not going to go buy anything new. I don't care what the world thinks about it. I don't care who criticizes it. At least I'm clean. And it, he wasn't trying to make himself presentable to me. He wasn't trying to impress me. He just, listen, he came to church and wore what he had. And he's probably saved a whole lot of money down through the years. Because you know why? It just all that mattered to him was that it was clean. And can I tell you something? That's all that matters to God this morning is that when he 
looks down. It don't have to be the best. It don't have to look the best. It don't have to impress the, the world or anybody else. God is just looking for someone that's clean in their thanksgiving. You can be clean this morning. God will cleanse you if you're willing to come and ask him to. I want to say a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It should be consistent. It should be clean. And then it should be costly. The Bible does call it a sacrifice. And when we thank God, there ought to be some sacrifice in it. You say, what do you mean, Brother Gravity? I mean there should be some tears in our thanksgiving. There ought to be some humility in our thanksgiving. The pride ought to be pushed out of the way. Sometimes we sit in church and we want to get up and testify, but we let pride hinder us. We let what other people think about us hinder us. We we may be going to a a family reunion at Thanksgiving or Christmas time. Maybe your family's lost and they don't pray over the meal or they don't have anything good to say about God. Hey, there ought to be a sacrifice of thanksgiving at at that dinner table. You ought to just say, hey, can I ask the blessing over the food and just pray over the food. Maybe witness to some family member and tell them how good God has been in your life and what he has done for you. You can offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving after all that Jesus has done for us. Uh, the sacrifice he made at Calvary, the cost it came to say, it, 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 it took to save us. Uh, you and I this morning, surely we can sacrifice in telling others how good God has been to us. Amen. Amen. Brother Freed was with me this week and I got under deep conviction with him. He's not here, but I, I'm telling you, I, I was telling this if, if he was here. Because everywhere we went, he made sure every single person got a track in every place that we went to. You know, that, that stood out in my mind. He wasn't doing that to impress me. In fact, most of the time he didn't even know I was looking or that I seen that. But he didn't let one person get out of his presence that he didn't at least hand them a track and say, would you read this and God loves you. That's a sacrifice. But after what God has done for us, how he's been good, it ought to cost us something. We live in a society, and I'm talking about Christian, and when I say this, that most people that come to church today, they just want to come to church and be preached to and entertained a little bit, but they don't put any demands on my life. Don't really, God don't require any commitment. Lord, don't take any of my schedule, any of my time. Hey, if you're saved, you ought to never miss a service. Amen? Unless you're sick or dying, you ought to be faithful to the house of God. You say, but Brother Gravely, I work a job. When you're not forced to work, you ought to be in church. Amen. That's just the way it is friend. God's been too good to us. If Jesus went to Calvary for me I could at least go to church for him. Isn't that right? And when I go to church I ought to come to church with heaven on my mind and ready to worship God. The preacher ought not have to beg me to say amen or raise my hand. It ought to be just automatic when I hear the truth. There ought to be something on the inside that said if he's going to preach to me the least I can do at least sacrifice a little thanksgiving to God for letting me hear the truth one more time. Amen. I tell you, that's what's changed our churches today. People are not as thankful. They have more, but yet they're less thankful. You remember when you had less? You remember growing up how life was then? You remember, uh, listen, how good God has been to you, where he's brought you from, how he's blessed you. I think today people, they're, they're, they're so picky about things. Man, they go to a church if there's one thing they don't like. That one thing is what they'll talk about. If one thing goes wrong, that's the one thing that they'll focus on. What about all the hundreds of other things that's right? 
What about, the, what about all the other good things? Amen. What about all the blessings? And a lot of times that's their, their outlook on life. They, and listen, one thing goes wrong in the day, that's all they remember. Not the other th- things that went right. One thing goes wrong in the week, that's all they remember. But I'm telling you, for every one thing that has ever went wrong or didn't turn out right, God has blessed us far beyond that. We ought to look on the bright side of life. We ought to be thankful every day. We ought to be magnifying God constantly. There ought to be a sacrifice of thanksgiving and it should cost us this morning it should be consistent it should be clean it should be costly let me give you this final thought this morning the sacrifice of thanksgiving should be cherished and not by us but by God God asked him a question he says for like for this liketh you O ye children of Israel saith the Lord God said you're living in sin And you're sacrificing thanksgiving and you're pleased with that? After all I've done for you, Israel, you're happy with your life the way it is. You know, when I read that text this week, it stood out to me. I thought, Lord, after all you've done for me, no, I'm not satisfied with who I am. I'm not satisfied at where I'm at and I don't ever want to be. I think Paul had the same attitude when he said, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I say to every one of us that are here this morning, you're to never be satisfied with your Christian life. If you, you should never reach a place where you're satisfied with your Bible reading, your prayer. There were to be goals in your life spiritually. We set financial goals. We set goals for our family. We set goals for, for our children. But above all of that, you know what the number one goal that should be in our life? There were to be some spiritual goals in our life. If you're here this morning, you shouldn't let work, you shouldn't let, you shouldn't let life, you shouldn't let problems, you shouldn't let people, you shouldn't let anything get in the way of your spiritual goals. Your spiritual goals is the most important thing because one day when life comes to an end, you know, life is like a funnel. It starts out real big, but the further you go through life, guess what? It's narrowing on every one of us. Amen. It's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And one day when life comes to a close, guess what? It's not going to be the financial goals that's going to be there to help you make the crossing. It's not even going to be family and friends that's going to hold your hand and give you victory in that time of crossing, as wonderful as they may be. What's going to make the difference when it comes time to make the crossing in life and stand before our Creator will be those spiritual goals that we have made in life. I want to tell you something, friend. I'd rather die broke. I'd rather die by myself, but die with Him holding my hand and crossing the river. Thank God with victory down in my soul. I'm saying this morning the sacrifice of thanksgiving or to be something that God looks down and that thrills the heart of God. You know, when have you ever gave a testimony in church and when you sat down you felt like the biggest fool? Now that happens often to every one of us. There's times I've went home on Sunday evening and pre- after preaching and sat down in the recliner and I'm glad the door was shut and the blinds was pulled. I felt like, man... Because the devil will bring back everything I said that I shouldn't have said. And you feel like a fool sometimes. But woe to us if we get up and testify and feel good about it. <laughs> Am I telling the truth this morning? We ought to, listen, we're not here to impress each other. We're not here to get others' attention. 
Sometimes I think when we feel like such a failure, God allows that, but heaven is looking on and, and is thrilled by our faithfulness. Heaven is looking on because it was sincere. What I'm saying to you this morning, every word don't have to be in the right place. It doesn't have to meet the approval of man, but if it comes from a heart of gratitude and it's sincere, and, and my friend, listen, it's what you really meant, then God cherishes that. If it comes from a clean life. I think the times God has answered my prayers the most is when I've just fell on my face and wept like a little child and said, oh God, please help me. Would you help me? I'm telling you, I know it's true, Brother Danny. I've watched him undergird me in those times when my heart was broken when there was no words, when there was no wisdom, I've watched God reach down like a mother does a child and pick me up. There was no pride in that prayer. It was just a, it was just a plea for help. And if we can learn to pray like that on a regular basis, how much more God could do in our life. When we remove self and we remove pride and we come before God and say, Oh God, I am nothing. I can do nothing. By myself, I know nothing. I have nothing. But I need you this morning. That's what God is looking for. And God cherishes that more than anything in our life. I wonder this morning, I wonder how many problems around this room today could be solved in one altar call. Just one altar call, they could be solved. If we come before God openly and honestly. If we come before God and say, God, I want to be clean. I want to be right. I want to be where I need to be at. I want to make a commitment this morning. I want to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. After all you have done for me, forgive me, God. Cleanse me this morning. David, can you imagine this? had murdered someone, committed adultery, and then lied about all of it. I mean, in his own words, he said this man should die and repay fourfold. But God in mercy forgave David. Why did he do that? Because in Psalms 51, David cried out and said, Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. He said, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear. And he come down to verse number 10 and he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know what happened to David? David got earnest and David got honest. David found forgiveness. And I wonder this morning as we stand, the sacrifice of thanksgivings when we get earnest and honest and open with God. That's right. If you need to come this morning, would you come? Brother David's going to sing. And while he sings this morning, do business with God. Let God help you this morning. There's not a burden too big. There's not a problem he can't solve. There's not a prayer he can't answer this morning if you'll come to him while we sing, while we sing this morning.